Yo, 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 you already know who it is. It's C-Money, giving you the hottest DeFi news from the eyes of a D-Gen in the mouth of a burger. It's Saturday, March 11th, and we're eating. Let's go ahead and get it. tell you what we are loving the cryptocurrency market this is the web3 tv podcast where we not only give you the hottest DeFi news but we also tell you what to think about it folks if you've been following anything in this cryptocurrency market you know that news has been plentiful. So with that being said, if you want to understand my trades, understand what I'm doing with my assets, with my funds, check me out on Twitter. You can do that at Soggy Margin. Soggy like the water, margin like the butter. If you want to email me, you're a doomer. You can do that at web3tvpod at gmail.com and with that being said folks we have more than enough news I'm sure you have realized we have not produced a podcast every single day like we're used to I've been building a new studio no excuse to leave the beautiful web3 tv listeners on hold however folks you have to understand this is my life Believe it or not, I actually have a job. Well, folks, that's enough about little old me. Let's get on to what we really care about, the news. The new FTX CEO, who is responsible of allocating the assets of the liquidation of one of the largest American exchanges, FTX, has just released a report, folks, and let me tell you, it is huge. And it's grim. It's spectacularly grim. 
The new FTX CEO came out with a paper breaking down the events that led up to the liquidation. They only recovered $2.1 billion out of the $11.6 billion in customer liabilities. That takes some skill. I mean, to lose over 80% of net asset value is pretty tough. When you look at shit coins and degen cryptocurrencies on Solana, okay, it might be pretty realistic to think that you could lose that much money, especially in a bear market when the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. However, that takes a special skill to lose that much money. So things are looking pretty grim over on the FTX side, but based on the fact that things are just so quiet, It's close. People say, what's close? It's close to everybody getting their assets back when they demanded them and FTX having some money left over. That's what I think. I don't know. I'm completely making this up. However, when you see people being so quiet, nobody knows the exact dollar amount. FTX invested in a lot of blockchains. On Media Research, invested in a lot of blockchains that, quite frankly, have been doing very well, i.e. Aptos, i.e. Serum, Swede Network. A lot of these blockchains have received significant investments since FTX investment, and I believe If these investments were liquid, FTX would be more than solvent. And so that begs the question, what does that mean for the future? Well, I suppose nobody's going to get their money back when they want to. But with the way things have been playing out with Aptos and I'm assuming SWE Network in the future, these guys could be completely solvent. And that is what is insane. Just because these assets are increasing in value so much, Aptos was at like $3. 4 bucks, 7 bucks. Now it's at 12 And so these assets are rising in value even with the interest rate rises. And so who's to say these guys aren't solvent? Nobody is saying that. Folks, if I've learned anything in my three years of investing, let me think. I'm I'm 22, so I've been investing since I've been about 16 So we'll call it six years of my investing. I've always learned that if you bet against Bloomberg, if you bet against the top tweet, if you bet against what most people are doing, you will win. Nobody is saying that FTX is actually solvent. Of course, this is pretty nuts, especially for a banking platform. However, at the end of the day, this actually might work out. And that's why there has been 
no news about this. That's why everybody's been so tight-lipped about this situation, because people may have shot the gun early. If it's bad, oh yeah, everybody's talking about it if it's newsworthy. But when people realize, wait a second, they actually weren't that irresponsible. Some things were pretty crazy, but this cryptocurrency market is crazy in itself. Don't get me twisted. I believe FTX definitely was involved in fraudulent activity, especially after this new SEC charge that just came out. I believe it was late February. that accused a top FTX executive of stealing, I believe, $6 million. What's funny is he invests $3 million or $4 million into a home, and then he uses the rest for charities. Because he wants to say in court, look, he's a good guy. That's the only reason he would invest I hate to say invest in charities, but nobody donates. Nobody gives because they want to. At least people with money, everybody does it because they can get a tax benefit. Again, bad morality, but pretty good for the books. So I don't want to sit here and be the first person to say, oh, FTX is solvent, when obviously they've paused customer withdrawals. Everything they've done up to this point has said they were insolvent. But since the jump, I just want to say, I've always had this idea, like, These guys have invested in so much. They've invested in the industry as a whole. Of course, the industry has gone down. But they can't find a loan. They can't get money because there's no way that over time they're going to be insolvent. They may be insolvent at the peak of a bear market, which is obviously an extreme So we're going to watch this closely. Nobody's talking about this issue. I'm pretty against FTX. I'm pretty against exchanges as a whole. But they play a crucial role because you need them to exchange United States dollars for cryptocurrency assets. I love KuCoin. I can't even emphasize that enough. And so, this whole situation, quite frankly, is my top story. Just because there has never been such a big company that has collapsed so quickly. I mean, they probably just plan to pause customer withdrawals for a couple hours. Next thing you know, months later, we're still shut down. I think this FTX story has 
more than one surprise around the corner. So we're going to watch those closely. Again, I'm not going to say, these guys are solvent. These guys are this. These guys are that. However, when I look at their investments and I look at from a person that has been in the industry, this is almost too extreme. So let's move on. Because I feel like I've made my opinion well known. So on the brink of this total fungible token market collapse, the NFT market hasn't really shown too much damage. In fact, volumes are as high as they were since May 2022 which is at the tailwind of the bull market. However, it was about halfway through the bull market, about when Bitcoin was at $40,000. And so this just shows you, NFT investors have gone nowhere. If anything, they've increased. If Bitcoin was at $60,000, a lot of investors argue there would be a lot more NFT investors. Especially with this new ordinal NFT, this new Bitcoin NFT. And so, the NFT market, as far as communities and investors, have been incredibly resilient. A lot of these NFT investors, only friends, are people that own the same NFT they're not going anywhere. Like, I promise you that. They're not going to go anywhere. Moving in to our next story. Again, with the Ordinal NFTs. The Yuga Labs 12-fold Bitcoin NFT auction, in my opinion, was quite a big failure. They raised $16.5 million. The highest bid was 7.1 Bitcoin, or roughly $159,000. But the lowest successful bid was 2 Bitcoin, or just over $50,000. Now, I don't want to be the first person to say that is cheap. However, when you think about these new NFTs, these new Bitcoin NFTs, and you have the biggest NFT project launch a project. And the lowest one went for 50k when board ape yacht clubs, those stupid monkeys, are worth 100,000. It just seems a little ridiculous. I don't know. In other news, Nigerians are rebelling, quote unquote against their country's central-backed digital currency. It's pretty insane. Less than half a percent of Nigerians have used the central-backed digital currency. Most people would say, oh, that's nothing. Most people don't use cryptocurrency. However, in Nigeria, more than 50% of the citizens there have used cryptocurrency. And so, believe it or not, they have an incredibly built-out infrastructure for cryptocurrency compared to other countries. A lot of people in Nigeria are using cryptocurrency. 
So this is an interesting development. And it's a cautionary tale for other countries. Because for the most part, people are anti-government. So in Brazil, they're pretty much doing the same thing. And they expect their CBDC to get mainstream adoption by 2024. Both of these countries are extremely affected by inflation. And just the lack of the paper money due to logistical reasons have pushed people in Nigeria and people in South America to run towards gold and other assets. Nobody wants to be in their country's currency. This is extremely interesting. Even with a digital currency, people don't want to touch it. And so when we see this being implemented in Europe and soon to be America, this isn't going to be accepted. Nobody's going to like it. Nobody's going to want to use this new technology in the beginning. Moving on, stablecoin issuer Tether, which we're going to get into this a little bit later, faked key documents and set up shell companies to open several bank accounts in 2018 to launder money. This whole deal with Tether... And USDC is not going to end. Everybody's been talking about, and I was going to save this for later, but how can I? Everybody's been talking about the USDC DPEG. First of all, I want to say, of course this is possible. DPEG. This is a derivative. USDC, USDT is a derivative of the United States dollar. People are only using these currencies to have power, to have control in the cryptocurrency ecosystem, to be able to exchange that amount for ETH, of course, right? Everybody wants a digital dollar. Ethereum is worth $1,400-$500 at the time I'm making this podcast. And so it'd be nice if there was a token that was equivalent to $1. And so that's what everybody is trying to do because the fees associated with that business... could provide generational wealth for multiple families. And so everybody is fighting to be the stable coin of the United States. USDT versus USDC. It's an insane battle. There's 70 billion USDT circulating And there's a 40 billion USDC circulating. 
Everybody's been talking about this DPEG, like I said, because Silicon Valley Bank, which closed on Friday, provided services to USDC. In fact, USDC provided a statement on the matter on Friday. In the statement, they said they moved $5 billion worth of assets on a Thursday, the day before the crash. What does this mean? Well, with the way insolvencies work and how this whole thing goes, USDC is entitled to money because they requested it before a majority of the investors. In fact, from my research, Circle was the deciding factor. Banks need about 100% margin to be federally insured, FDIC insured. They need about a 100% margin, whereas... In a December 22nd filing, SBV, Silicon Valley Bank, was about break-even. The only way they were break-even was because of loans. Big investors knew what this was. They knew this bank was probably insolvent. And... That's the story behind the story. But USDC is fine. They moved their assets on Thursday and maybe 100%. Okay, let's call it 90 because I'm sure there are some legal repercussions if I say 100%. But I think it's pretty suspicious that Circle decided to move their funds on Thursday, a day before the FDIC decided to close Silicon Valley Bank. You know why? Because USDC is supported by the deep state of America. That's what I think. I mean, who gets a warning like that? Not the retail investor. I can guarantee you that. So they got out clean. And again, USDC, in my opinion, is fine. Another pretty insane prediction. But hey, it's a Saturday. It's 3 a.m. We're making all types of crazy predictions today. So in other news... And other exchange news, somebody just got hacked via a SIM swap. Somebody basically was able to steal somebody else's phone number and use that information for a two-factor authentication on Coinbase. The moral of this story is the fact that your money on an exchange is not FDIC insured and in fact not safer than on a MetaMask wallet. 
If you don't use the MetaMask wallet, your assets are safe. If you're signing transactions, if you're enabling permissions, and that's the big one, you could run into some trouble. The Twitter owner, we all know his name, Elon Musk, announced that his social media company aims to become a leading payment service. Kind of takes me back to X, his early PayPal days, but hey, who knows? So the U.S. government just filed an appeal to block Binance U.S. from acquiring bankrupt crypto lender Voyager Digital Assets. They did this because they don't support Binance and the USDT Mafia. I'm trying to explain, people. This is a war going on. This is not some fair market competition. The battle between USDT and USDC is fierce. Extremely fierce. So Biden, in FUD news, just called for a 30% tax for all electricity used to mine Bitcoin. This dude is so bull. I mean, I'm not voting for him. I'll just tell you that just because of this. This is ridiculous. I thought he was Mr. Inflation. But that makes sense. If he's Mr. Inflation, he has to kind of suppress the price of Bitcoin. Maybe that's what he's doing here. But he sucks as far as my money goes. So in a recent lawsuit, the New York Judiciary Committee just basically said Ethereum was a commodity when they were charging KuCoin. KuCoin's been doing a bunch of shady stuff. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows KuCoin is a Chinese scam. These people don't have any say on what Ethereum is, though. Even though they can say, yeah, KuCoin is scamming investors. They can't say what Ethereum, what they are scamming investors with. Key difference. And so there's a lot of FUD in the market right now. Don't believe it. That's just what I'm going to say. I mean, you got the, the bullcrap fact that KuCoin offered to sell purchase and offer to purchase cryptocurrencies that are commodities and securities without being registered. KuCoin sold KuCoin Earn, a security in which KuCoin pooled investors in cryptocurrencies to generate income, and they also just interacted with American citizens without being registered. So KuCoin clearly broke the law. I don't think that this office is necessarily the body to determine whether Ethereum is a commodity, a security, or a whatever. Well, 
that's going to do it from all of us here at Web3 TV. I'm seeing money. And don't just have a great day. Have a DeFi day. And stay classy. Peace. Check it out, I fuck this shit up. Ay, I fucked the bitch once. Now she telling me that she in love. 